no better opener than that. Elizabeth Sams, good friend of the show, David Sams, who was on. Uh, his daughter, dear veteran. No more perfect way to start the show on a Veterans Day than that, man. Just, uh, that is just fantastic. So happy Veterans Day to uh, everybody, to all veterans who have um, w- are willing to put it all on the line for this country to, um, you know, protect the freedoms that are guaranteed by our founding documents that we love so much. So uh, happy Veterans Day to all the veterans, my dad included, his brothers included, um, and I'm sure a lot of your parents and friends and family members as well. And it just uh, all the more makes what's going on in this country right now. When you think about men and women who have put everything on the line, have died, what they've gone through to protect this country, to protect our freedoms, to protect these, our constitution and, and uphold. And when you think about all of that, I mean, it just makes a day like today and obviously Memorial Day and the, the day that people did give the ultimate sacrifice. It's just a um, fantastic day to remember what we're fighting for here. Yes, those of us who support the president, it's partly that. But it's more that we, um, you know, he's only here four more years, if that, or he's, or, or not. And uh, Joe Biden will be here for four or eight years. And the next, and, you know, not, no one's president forever. But the country's, you know, the, the country is the vision. The country is here forever. We hope. So that's what, you know, that's what it's about. So it's, it's, it's bigger than one individual. And um, so I thought that was a great way to start the show. Paul Nolan's here. He's going to have some news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amorati, of course, will have sports. Gio Friend holding it down. Uh, Mr. Nolan, how are you? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. That was really good vi- video. Did you do the edit? I did not. Nope. Uh, Elizabeth did that herself, and she, I believe, wrote it, produced it, directed it, the whole deal. She's fantastic. What a beautiful voice on that kid. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and, and her dad said she wrote it as a kid, like years ago, Yeah, like right? 14 years old. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, 14. I think she was 16 or 17 when she recorded that. I mean, just, it's just stood the test of time. It's just fantastic. I think it's three or four years old, but it's just fantastic. That could be from a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's just yeah. fantastic. So uh, Rick Amorati is going to have sports. Rick, how are you? Hey, Big D. What's coming up in sports? Well, we're going to preview the Super Bowl of bull riding. Starts tomorrow, the PBR <laughs> World Championships in Arlington, Texas. We Go can't wait. Baby. Oh, yeah. All and right. We, and we, we got, got the a- Masters tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., Big D. And just moments ago, the Cy Young Award baseball winners were announced. Okay, very good. Um, so I have a lot to bring you tonight, kind of where we are with everything. Uh, Jenna Ellis was on David Brody this afternoon in a great interview, and I've got some clips from her. I've got uh, Rudy Giuliani, who some of you who watched the hour before us may have seen this already. He was on with Eric Greitens talking about where we are. Uh, I'm going to replay for you that in the second hour. I've got some good videos, and we have Sidney Powell. And the more I watch stuff, for me, just for me, and maybe not, I don't want to speak for you or anyone else, but Sidney Powell, Michael Flynn's attorney, just fantastic attorney, to me she encompasses and she when she lays out what she's looking at and where she thinks this oh. is at, to me, it represents the best representation of what has to be brought to light. When I listen to her talk about what she thinks she's looking at, what she thinks they've discovered, the evidence that she says they have that they need to bring forward, that coupled with what's going on in the courts um, and the state legislatures and those those things that have to be decided 
to me, that is the best representation of where this is at. I know the media still got the full court press on to, um, for everybody just to move on, even though Al Gore took 37 days. It doesn't matter. Um, and Joe Biden, I, I have the questions that were asked of Joe Biden. I think it was either yesterday or the day before, <laughs> which I hadn't spent too much time listening to. Me and Paul listened to him today. It, it was so hard to listen to. I mean, it, it's the, the media is so corrupt and in the tank for Biden. It, it, is, it is really astounding to listen. He got, he got no questions throughout the thing, which, of course, now we know why. He hid in his basement. Now we know why. He told us they had the most extensive voter fraud network ever put together. Now we know he wasn't lying. That's the first time. But he still, even as pres- office of the president-elect. <laughs> yes, you got to make sure you mention the office of. Yes, with the sign behind him and everything. Right. He still gets no questions. No questions. Nothing. He took questions one time, and I have the questions for you today if you didn't hear them. And trust me, they're... There's nothing there that's going to excite you. I mean, it's just stunning, these questions from these people. It's funny. We've seen so much of this, and we're still stunned by it. (laughs) It's really unbelievable, these questions. I mean, it's just, oh, Mr. Biden, did you have oatmeal, or did you have honey bunches of oats this morning for breakfast? Which one was it? It's like the what flavor? I mean, it's there's no better example than that. What flavor did you get? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so I've got a bunch of good stuff, but I want to continue to sound the bell here about Georgia and that the state legislature or somebody needs to get on the ball now. And if they have, I'm not aware of it. These two races coming up. Now, Tom Tillis has been called because Cal Cunningham uh, conceded and the race in Alaska has finally been called. So oh, now finally? we're at 50. Alaska, finally? So we're, yes. So we're now at 50. <laughs> so long. Was he at 64%? Yeah. It uh, took for, so for, long. For frozen. eight days, he was up 60 well, I guess they were going to shut uh, the machines and flip some votes. Yeah, it was frozen, the election. <laughs> yeah. So Literally. they've called both of those races. So now we're at 50. So now we're down to we got to split, win both, or split to get to 51. And if you lose both, it's 50-50. But, of course, Joe Manchin's been out there saying, I'm not voting for any of this crazy stuff. So take it for what it is. Uh, there's an article that came out, Jordan Davidson, who was a writer over at The Federalist, and um, Georgia legislature should convene and ban mail-in voting for runoff elections. Let's do this now. Let's not go in blind and not know what the playing field is. Everybody should know what the playing field is going in and, what, and what's going to be accepted and what's not. She writes, Americans were denied the privilege of knowing who won the election on the same day that many voted due to a combination of delayed mail-in ballots, voter fraud, and other election violations popping up all over the country. While we await pending litigation in many key states, state legislatures in Georgia have a unique opportunity to step in and assure swift and fair practices in the critical upcoming runoff elections in January. All eyes turn to the Georgia Senate seats where two Republican incumbents and their challengers will face off in January to decide if the GOP's majority in the Senate will prevail. Democrats are quickly pouring more money and resources into the Peach State with the hopes that they could possibly unseat two Republican senators and take control of the Senate. Just days after the runoff elections became imminent and hours after the media projected former Vice President the winner 
uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said, now we take Georgia and we change America. If successful in replacing both Senator David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, Democrats will likely spend the next two years weaponizing the Senate to defund the police, pass the new Green Deal, raise taxes on working Americans, undo coronavirus economic recovery plans, strip protections for unborn babies, and other insane policies that at least half the country disagrees with. The risk posed by this threat against Purdue and Loeffler is high, and as I wrote in a previous piece, must be addressed by conservative leaders now. And I'll finish this when we get back. Live from Studio 6B, just getting started. Glad you're in on a Wednesday night. If you're on social media, stay with us. Glad you're in. Studio 6B on a Veterans Day. As we salute all our veterans, 17 past the hour. Paul's got some news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amrani's going to have sports. It's good to see that Joe Biden is going to tap, um, the word is he's going to tap Ron Klain as his possible <laughs> chief of staff. Ron, if you remember, Ron was his chief of staff, of course, back when he was vice president. And he's the one who told us that, uh, well, you know, <laughs> you know, we uh, we did the best we can, but it's pure uh, fortuity that we didn't kill tens of millions of people because we're a bunch of nice people and we screwed everything up in the H1N1. So it's good to see Joe's going back to the well. In not so promising news, uh, if he was to become president, um, I think some things are starting to leak out about what he's going to look to do right away. And welcome to American citizen. Uh, what was President Trump was America first. Yep. Uh, this is American citizen last, as I'm coining it, uh, as I coined it on Twitter. I heard Dick Cheney wants to be his secretary of defense. I have not heard that. <laughs> President-elect Biden, here's what I have heard, though, is set to start reversing President Trump's immigration legacy. The Biden team is planning to fully restore DACA, number one, enact a 100-day freeze on deportations, number two, Limit ICE arrests, number three, overturn green card restrictions, and much more. Mr. Biden will look to implement the 100-day deportations moratorium while his administration issues guidance narrowing uh, who can be arrested and deported by ICE. A source familiar with Mr. Biden's plan said new guidance would be designed to curb so-called collateral arrests. Mr. Biden intends to end the remain in Mexico border policy, 
but it remains unclear whether asylum seekers will be allowed in. I'll answer that for them. Yes, they will. A source familiar with Mr. Biden's plan said the incoming administration will void all the deals that allow the U.S. to reroute asylum seekers to Central America. The incoming Biden administration will also look at reinstating an Obama-era program, all right, that allowed (laughs) at-risk children in Central America to request refugee or parole status and reunite with their parents in the U.S., per a source familiar with the plans. Mr. Trump ended that program in 2017. Other changes Biden's team intends to make, scrap the public charge rules for green cards and visas, End the travel ban restrictions on 13 countries, most of which are African or majority Muslim. Review Trump's efforts to end TPS deportation protections for 300,000 immigrants. The Biden team is planning to ramp up refugee admissions, which Mr. Trump slashed to 15,000, a record low. The incoming administration plans on setting it at 125,000. Mr. Biden has also vowed to grant certain Venezuelans in the U.S. TPS to shield them from um, from deportation so that's just a little bit of the beginning of the new if it is to be new administration's plans on making the american citizen last um so that's what you can look forward to there and that's from an article that was on cbs today what could go wrong um more out there about joe biden uh going to back to ron Klain to be his white house chief of staff and assistant to the to the president so um yeah so that's this just the start of what the biden administration is planning on doing so um let's do some news before we get to some videos here with uh mr paul nolan mr nolan what's going on in the news today well i still haven't found anything that says that they all going to do a full audit, but I do see that obviously we saw yesterday the group of Republican lawmakers on Tuesday called for um, legislative lead audit into the week's presidential election, determined if Pennsylvania's general election was conducted fairly and lawfully. So it's getting closer, but I don't think it's official as of yet. If it is, please uh, tag me in a link in a post and I'll, uh, I'll share it on air. And for those of you having a problem on YouTube, it's not us. It seems like all of YouTube is, uh, well, down right now, so... Uh, that's not has anything to do with just our show. The whole thing is down. So, all right, Paul, what's going on in the news? So it says here on Just the News, uh, Ticketmaster will require proof of COVID vaccine or a negative test for customers to attend concerts. You know, in the uh, tyranny files, this is uh, it says uh, Ticketmaster is going to require this um, attending concerts or an event through a platform, according to industry reports. The company founded in 1976 and a pioneer in digital sales. Uh, will reportedly utilize third-party reporting software uh, to confirm customers' vaccinated status before they will be permitted to buy tickets through the service. Um, this is, uh, you know, it's gonna, you're going to need to use your digital health pass. Last night I was talking, um, I'm sorry, I was off the mic there. My, um, last night I was talking about that uh, COVID pass. This is one of the many companies that's uh, connected to COVID pass. So keep an eye on this nonsense. This is going to be coming to an airline, a bus, who knows? Even your easy pass on your on your car—that's the way this works. They just keep on taking liberty, step by step by step. So, and you, so you, and you think this is just the beginning of this? Um, not going to be allowed to do certain things uh, while this is going on. 
Yeah, are you looking at me like I need my tinfoil no, hat? I want, you to throw expi- it on. I want you to explain it no, you, because we talked about this today off the air. Well, you, you, you could see the alliance. When you look at the COVID pass websites, you could see the alliance of all the major corporations. It's like 60 major players, including all the major banks, including all the major airlines, including Greyhound, including you know all the major hotel lines. They just want to, um, you know, they've created this little... Like I guess synergistic uh, partnership to kind of everyone support this platform. Right? Just keep getting your vaccine. So you need them every year. Now you need them every month, and you need them every. How long? You know who knows what they're putting in you. So I believe it's part of a bigger plan, and um, not uh, not thrilled about it. I could be wrong. Let's hope I am. So one of the other things that's gaining, uh, at least that's gained my attention, is this um, Michael Osterholm who is the director of Center of Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. Biden is tapping this guy to be on the COVID transition team, I believe. And um, he's come out with a couple of things that he thinks will work. Number one, he thinks a four to week shutdown, complete shutdown of the country Mm. is going to be the way to get this back under control. Shutting down businesses and paying people for lost wages for six weeks could control the pandemic and now listen up. This is like reverse um, and revive the economy, he says, until a vaccine is approved and distributed. This is one of Biden's coronavirus uh, advisors. So shut everything down for six weeks. That will revive the economy yeah. and uh, get this under control, according to this Michael uh, Ulsterholm. And what is he basing that on? Does he have experience of shutting things down and miraculously things just, uh, uh, you know, com- come to life on their own? Is uh, What's this guy's experience? I-, I would love to know the science behind his stupidness. Uh, would love to hear it. Well, he says the government could borrow enough money. <laughs> oh, it could. Yes. Yeah. Oh. We haven't done enough of that. Because we, it doesn't take enough of our money as it is and throw it away. To pay for a package that would cost low income that would cover lost income for individuals and governments during the shutdown. We could really watch ourselves cruising into the vaccine availability, he says. That would be the Biden vaccine, let me remind you. Uh, In the first and second quarter of next year, while bringing back the economy long before that, this genius says. Um, So I just, you know, my job is to start to bring you the things that you can be looking forward to. If this doesn't go the right way, people like Ulsterholm, now Ron Klain, immigration, they'll be basically blur the line between citizen and non-citizen, as I've only told you for months that that's what, we, that's what they'll be looking to do. And you can see the steps of it being laid out today. Um, and this guy, Ulsterholm, is all over the place. And this is somebody who sounds like Biden's going to rely on, him and the other guy who wants to be dead at 75, um, Zeke Manuel who's been wrong about just about everything. These are the two geniuses that Biden's tapped so far. Are you excited yet? Unity, everybody. Unity. Bring it together. We're just normal people talking about the issues. The way the American people talk about them around their dinner table. 
I think that's why people like the show. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We give them news, opinion, sports, comedy, entertainment, music. But most of all, we try to give them love of country, faith, and family every night. We think political news is a big tent. Come on in, live from Studio 6B, 8 to 10 weeknights. You might like it. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. Paul's going to have some more news. Rick Delgado's here. The two of them are just bumming me out here tonight. Rick Emirati's <laughs> going to do sports. Geo Fran holding it down. All right, so let's get into where we are today, what we've learned, if there's anything new. Uh, put up that picture, G. I want you all to look at this because someone who's now getting into this is somebody who's familiar on this show, and that's Dr. Shiva. So on the right of your screen, you'll see the tweet that Dr. Shiva put out. And, of course, he's uh, brilliant, obviously. Um, so he wrote, Mr. President, Mr. Biden, our analysis in Michigan indicates a computer algorithm was likely used to transfer 69,000 votes. We are willing to subject our results to a critical and transparent review with both your representatives. Are you open? Sidney Powell wrote back, you are absolutely right, maybe more. We will be in contact as soon as possible. Thank you. Now, on the left, you'll see this graphic that Sidney Powell, I believe it was her, somebody, she retweeted it, but somebody posted. Three times, Milwaukee, Wisconsin dumped 317,251 votes for Biden and 134,355 for Trump at the same time on three different occasions, if the data is correct. Similarly, in Michigan, Wayne County dumped votes in the same percentage margin several times through the night to the tune of 67, 68% Biden. And then you see those numbers. So those numbers at the exact same time, the exact same number of votes for both um, candidates. So that's one thing I want you to pay attention to when you listen to Sidney Powell now. So here's the audio of Sidney Powell today. I believe this is on Maria Bartiromo's show. I'm not exactly sure, but I believe this is on Maria Bartiromo this morning. Here's Sidney Powell, and she addresses this um, anomaly that they're looking at. Roll that. Well, there are suits filed in Michigan and Pennsylvania. They evidence significant irregularities in the voting process, fake ballots being brought in on pallets after voting closed, people testifying to having seen any sort of things from people writing Harris, Biden-Harris things on the side of a bus to, to ballots being uh, laying on the sidewalk, to ballots being put in a trash can. Always Trump ballots went in the trash can. Um, it's just stunning, Maria. And then we have statistical evidence that we haven't even brought out yet. Um, that's my next venture is to explain the statistical anomalies that show it was physically impossible for the election to have come out the way it did. We have evidence of the same number of ballots being injected in, or the same number of votes being in, injected into the Milwaukee and into the Wisconsin system and into the Michigan system three different times. I think there were there were two specific injections of exactly the same numbers in um, Michigan, and then in Milwaukee it, it happened three times. So put that picture back up, G. So now I don't know if Dr. Shiva came up with this on his own, and because she says you are absolutely right, she came up with the same thing. It sounds like. Um, so just think about this. I mean, again, this is why when I say. When I listen to Sydney, because all along I've said 
We know there's going to be some fraud. Is it ever going to be enough where you're going to say, okay, it could have changed the election? A video of some old lady filling in black marks for me doesn't do it. As much as I don't want it and I think it's wrong and, and, and if, if that's what she was doing, we don't want that. We don't want fraud anywhere and no amount of fraud. You know, I saw some, speaking of that, I saw Dr. Gina online last night. She was tweeting about something and some, somebody commented back there and she said, he said, well, you know, it's, uh, there's not going to be enough for any court to say that's enough. So why don't you just let it go? And so I responded because I was so irate listening to it. Going, well, is there some amount of fraud in our elections that's acceptable? Like, none should be acceptable. Right. Just, oh, oh, there's enough for a court to address it? Then, oh, hey, we're not down with that. But if, the, if, it, if a court, it doesn't rise to a court, well, what can you do? Get over it. Yeah. Then that's, that shouldn't be the position we want to take yeah, in but this that, country. That's the position of liberals. This is what the Democrats are happy with. Yep. They'll take whatever they can. Again, it is about the outcome. They, it, it doesn't matter how they get the outcome that they want. They'll lie. They'll cheat. They'll steal. They'll kill somebody if they have to, to get what they want. The, the ends justify the means. So we've seen it time yeah. and again. The Clintons have proven this. Yeah. Why don't we, why don't we pay attention? They tell us what they're going to do. They put it on websites. They talk about yeah, it man. and we sit there scratching our head going, Holy, what do you think they're going to do? Um, they're going <laughs> to do it. Right. And, and I think it's just, it, we're just so dumbfounded that they would be so obvious about it that nobody takes it seriously until all of a sudden you start to see it. Like, wait, this is actually happening. Now you feel like you're, 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 you're in a, a freak show. You know, you think about things like on that Rockefeller Foundation uh, paper and page 18, the subject lock, lockstep, lays it all out. Then you see things like um, Event 201, where they show the whole plan if there was a global epidemic and they, and they run the scenarios in this think tank and they film it and show it. And everything just keeps laying itself out. I mean, they keep on laying these plans out, as you said, and it's really there to read. It's there to look at. And the people who've been in power forever when they were called plutocrats and aristocrats and now technocrats and it's the same thing over and over and over power just doesn't stop and it, it never it's never satiated so i mean we can see it when it comes in and as for uh, i watched um his live feed today shiva i only got through about 30 minutes of the hour and 20 minutes of it before i realized i was way too stupid to understand what these <laughs> men were saying and i tried so hard well, i mean that's part of it about about dr shiva right i mean dr shiva's an mit he's guys obviously brilliant he's like nine times more brilliant i mean he's an mit four, al- this is his PhDs, thing right numbers right? algorithms this is his deal yeah four phds but he's also really good at teaching the layman how to how to like uh pass on like pass it on to other people that's why i paused it one i ran out of time two i didn't have my notes i didn't have time to take notes but i will try to take some notes on this and i'll show people maybe where to bookmark it i'll put it on my page or maybe i'll I'll put it on the studio 6b page for people because he's he's doing this with a guy named benny smith who's an engineer a software engineer um put that graph back up g while he's talking and a guy named uh, Phil Evans uh, from Clemson, he's also an inventor and a data engineer. He's got a nice team of guys here doing this together. So, I mean, th- th- these are guys that are splitting at him just by staring at it. So, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, when you look at that, just and he puts it out, obviously, to both, which I think is smart, President and Joe Biden, and says, we're, we're willing to have your representatives look at it. Well, how do you explain that? I mean, let's just talk on the most basic level. 1122. 17, 529, and then 529. I'm going to put it in the, uh, in the group chat on, on our Facebook page right now so people can find the link. And then the same thing down there. 
I mean, how do you explain those numbers? The thing is, maybe you, there is an explanation, but what is it? Uh, the explanation is fraud, Damon. That's well, the only explanation. But what I'm saying is, I understand that. But my point is that if someone could come with another explanation, it's like in Alaska. We're always saying, "What the hell's taking so long to call this race?" It was just, it was, uh, da, da, da. Well, I read something today that there was something in the Alaska law that it had to be cured for ten days or something before they they can. Okay, so you read that and you go, "Oh, okay, so maybe that makes more sense." So what's the other side of something like this? So who's going to present that and go, no, 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 this is not because uh, whatever. No one's going to do that. The Biden team won't spend the time to, to, to take him up on his word. But obviously Sidney Powell will because she either found the same thing herself or maybe he's their numbers guy. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. But to me, that's just, again, Sidney Powell, to me, everything she brings up is the way you go, oh, man, this could be hundreds of thousands. This really could be enough to overturn the numbers. We talked about it last night, right? We were saying that Trump seems awfully confident, Pompeo confident, yep. the tweets are confident. You know, just, you know, we said it since how long, right? That if the evidence better be incontrovertible because these lemmings are so diluted and so, so their heads are so far in the sand, you know, that they, they don't want to hear anything. So yeah. they, the they, they're can, just those, those true believers like, no, it's Joe Biden. Meanwhile, they probably didn't even know who the heck he was last year. They were like, oh, that's the guy with Obama. Oh, okay. But I'm a Bernie guy, so don't worry about it. Right. So the, <laughs> you know? So right. the other thing that's big uh, up for question is this Dominion software and these mach voting machines. So there's a video I found today. Gee, let's pull that Dominion voting machine up and roll that. The voting machine is called the Image Cast Evolution, or ICE machine. It's made by Dominion. The Dominion Voting Image Cast Evolution, or ICE, is an all-in-one accessible paper-based voting system. This Image Cast Evolution voting machine has the physical ability to mark votes onto the ballot after the last time the voter sees the ballot. And that's a disaster. If we lose the ability to trust that the paper trail really represents uh, what the voter intended. Andrew Appel is a professor of computer science at Princeton University. My research is in software verification and election machinery. He's an election security expert who has testified before Congress and been featured in Politico magazine. Image cast evolution, where it's used in the United States. New Mexico in 2013, Ohio in Tennessee in 2013, California, Florida, Minnesota, Virginia, and Wisconsin in so 2016. The machine is a combination ballot marking device and optical scanner. According to information on the company's website, the voting machine is the only optical scan tabulator using a single ballot paper path. That means it's a printer and a scanner in one. If the machine is hacked, then they can install software that marks votes on the ballot after the voter last saw it. And if the piece of paper can be marked by the computer after the last time the voter saw it, and the whole paper trail is compromised. Security experts do not believe that the ICE machine is the only voting machine being sold with the ability to add votes to paper ballots. Appel and other computer scientists believe that two versions of the Express Vote, a ballot marking device by another company, ES&S, have the same capability. 
That machine has already been purchased by half a dozen states. Sometimes, like in Philadelphia, over strong community opposition against expert advice. These barcodes go against the recommendation of the Blue Ribbon Commission on Pennsylvania's election security. And with indications that there were conflicts of interest in the procurement process. There were, there were many, many issues in this process that uh, are troubling. Six swing states have now purchased voting machines that security experts say have this problem. Didn't Massey try to bring legislation in and the Democrats snuffed it out instantly? Yes. I mean, this is, don't this, you say four months you think they've had this in, in the works? I think they've had this in works since the day he won. I, I would say uh, four years and three months. So that video of those machines is, uh, well, that's not good. If, if those are the machines that a lot of, of 24 states are using, um, and you wouldn't think any of these people, by the way, who, are, who, made, this, who made that are big uh, Trump people, <laughs> Harvard, Princeton. Yeah, right. You wouldn't think they're uh, big Trump, Trumpians. So uh, just another thing to think about here. So if, if they can alter the ballot after the voter last saw it, like the guy said, that would uh, seem to me to be a disaster. All right, we've got more. Jenna Ellis, Rudy Giuliani. When we get back live from Studio 6B, glad you're in on a Wednesday. Social media, stay with us. American people, when they turn on the news, they want just the news. Spare me the talking points. I think people are sick of the freak parade on cable TV, night in and night out. People are consuming news these days everywhere, on every device. And we're going to be there. We're going to be fair. We're going to be fearless. We feel like we have a responsibility to you, the American people. News and opinions that are honest and real. Real America's voice. All right, live from Studio 6B, 47 past the hour on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in, wherever you're seeing us, if you can see us. <laughs> uh, Paul's here with more news. Rick Delgado's here. Fran Gio's here. It's time to do some sports, though, with Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? Well, we saw that big drop, and I didn't even start up about any NFL stories. Well, we had quite a complex. I'm glad Paul caught that when he did. Yeah. So, Big D, we got, the, like I said, the Super Bowl of bull riding. The PBR storms into the World Finals to cap a triumphant year. Uh, tomorrow kicks off the PBR World Finals at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, better known as Cowboys Stadium. And here come the Cowboys. Buoyed by a few afternoons this fall in which professional bull riding was the second most viewed sport on television, trailing only in the NFL, PBR and CBS ratings are up 8% this year. And um, it's up 18% on social media. And, and 
and up 27% compared to 2019. So quite a bit going on. Uh, it kicks off tomorrow evening. We're going to have full reports. You're going to have uh, world number one ranked Jose Vitor LeMay, uh, who was a former Brazilian soccer champion. And he's going to be, uh, he's basically been uh, crazy glued to his Bulls, winning seven events and 15 rounds. Uh, he's won seven, he's sizzling 70% on his rides and nine, eight 90 point rides altogether. He's really, really been hot. And Jose Ricardo. Vieira is 424 and a half points behind LeMay. However, he's won $895,000 in his career just in Arlington Stadium alone. So he's looking for a little hometown cook in there. Okay. Um, 2020 Masters will be more unique than ever amid the coronavirus pandemic, Big D. Despite the changes and annual look of the tournament, golf's best of the best are still there. There'll be no fans, President. However, here's a rundown of, uh, of the odds. Bryson DeChambeau is uh, number one at plus 800. Uh, Dustin Johnson comes in at plus 850, and John Rahm is plus 1,000. Your favorite golfer, Rory McIlroy, plus 1,200. And Big D, I think you picked Tony Finau as your, as your yeah. guy? Yeah. He's plus 2,800. Oh, that's good odds. I should lay a couple of uh, light men. Yep. And that tees off tomorrow at 7 a.m. on CBS. You get up nice and early. Okay. Uh, and a little bit of a, a military tribute. You know, obviously, happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans. We want to recognize our uh, college football teams that are of the military branch, Army, Navy, and Air Force, as well as the Coast Guard. Um, Air Force will host New Mexico next Friday, the 21st. Army is scheduled to visit Kevin Corcoran's Tulane Green Wave this Saturday at noon. And... Um, Coast Guard is going to play the Merchant Marines this this weekend uh, on Saturday as well, and that'll be uh, that should be a good game. Um, and uh, one more thing, Big D, Maryland Ohio State game has been canceled now due to COVID nineteen. They, uh, they confirmed that earlier today. The game will be canceled as well as the Georgia Missouri game. That's also going to be postponed. So uh, COVID is really starting to take over our college sports and uh, keep an eye on what goes on with the NFL. And that's a wrap for sports in the first segment, Big D. All right, very good. Live from Studio 6B uh, on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. I've got Jenna Ellis coming up. A bunch of things I want to show you her. Rudy Giuliani in the second hour as well. He was on the um, election special that we did tonight on Real America's Voice. 7 o'clock to 8, Dr. Gina was fantastic. She had on um, Ben Berkwam from Arizona. Uh, Eric Greitens was in the Washington, D.C. studio, and they had uh, Rudy Giuliani on, so I'll show you that if you didn't see it. But let's do a little more news right now. With uh, Paul Nolan, I guess the news of the night is that we're being. Uh, <laughs> I was just about to leave with that. <laughs> I guess we're being a. We're shut making down, a difference. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, this is not from the Babylon Bee. This is actually a real story from Just the News. Well, we're on Twitter, by the way, still. So Twitter hasn't shut us down. So that's a good thing. The uh, Biden campaign uh, reportedly worries inauguration could turn into a Trump MAGA rally. This is a true story. This is some members of Biden's campaign team are reportedly worried that the inauguration day Washington, D.C. Uh, rally may turn into something similar to a raucous Make America Great event uh, he held throughout the campaign. The Daily Beast piece headlined Biden world fears uh, Trump will bring weird SH, you know what, to their inauguration. Uh, the liberal website says Biden supporters are more worried about COVID-19 than Trump supporters and might not attend, but MAGA supporters just might fill that void. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Okay, it's just more nonsense. It's just more. It's just more. I was just telling the Twitter audience that all everybody from all all over uh, Facebook went to Twitter, and I said, "Oh well, yeah, we're here." Where well, they shut us down? They thought they were doing something wrong. No, it's Facebook that shut any, us down. So. Any coincidence that now all this stuff, and supposedly I think Trump might make another announcement tonight on Hannity, or his team might make another announcement, and and Sidney Powell, you know, talking about this, and uh, is it possible they're shutting down some of their platforms because they don't want all this info getting. Well, I think that's quickly. kind of the idea of when they censor people. Yeah, I mean they've no, been no, I doing mean, like it. shutting down every one of their channels. So I mean, I don't, oh, I all, don't know. All of YouTube was just crashing everywhere. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm not sure, but uh, we I'll keep get, plugging along. What else is going on in the news? Um, we go over to the accountability page. Uh, so where, where do we have? Um, oh, this is a good one. Um, NASA doles out a half million in taxpayer dollar for far out alien detection program at Georgetown. Um, I think that's what? pretty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me put my glasses on for this one because uh, according to a re- recently what? released report from the Open Books in 2019, the National Aeronautics Space Administration, as we know them as NASA, awarded a half a billion a million dollars to Georgetown um, with a one and added a $1.7 billion endowment to focus on new methods for detection of alien life. So, um, okay. Might not need my my tinfoil hat when I, when I well, start so talking what, about Area 51. Is there a story here, or that's just basically it? Uh, that's it. You know, I just thought it was fun to talk about. I I, I love that NASA stuff. I think it's fun. That's all. So okay. I was just amusing myself. Um, all right. So, uh, by the way, did you know that um, Jeffrey Tubin was finally let go by the New Yorker, but still <laughs> nothing from CNN? Let go. Wow. Yeah. No, no I'm, not, I'm not willing to take well, a call from him right you, now. You don't want to ask him about it? I don't want to ask him about his stroke of bad luck here that he's had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got a, well, maybe he could IM you. He could type yeah. with one hand. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, at least Rick got that one. Uh, let me go back to the In Georgia, because, again, we'll ring the bell here in Georgia. Uh, back to this article. Democrats are quickly pouring more money and resources into the Peach State with the hopes that they could possibly unseat two Republican senators and take control of the Senate just days after the runoff elections become imminent and hours after the media projected Vice President Joe Biden as the winner, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer announced that we take Georgia, then we, of course, change the, change the country. We, we change America. And then we change the world. Uh, the risk posed by the threat is great. Uh, Georgia is ripe with Republican officials who hold the state government in a GOP trifecta with the ability to mitigate the risk by banning the use of mail-in ballots in the runoff election through a special convention in the state legislature. Georgia's Republican-controlled legislative body and Republican Governor Brian Kemp not only have the ability to call a special session to discuss and pass legislation to address the issue, but also maintain a veto-proof supermajority in both the state House and the state Senate if all of the GOP members vote to mandate only in-person voting for the runoff election, which is absolutely what they should do. Make a level playing field now so everybody knows what the deal's going to be, so everybody votes in person. Directing Georgians to vote in person for the runoff election will ensure that the results can be tallied in a timely and accurate way and prevent the administration, uh, the administrative mistakes and fraud that's susceptible that comes with mail-in ballots. Mail-in balloting was necessary for the no- November 3rd election, some argued, because of the pandemic. 
Uh, these fears peddled by the left in the media that millions of Americans might be risking contracting it. So, uh, of course, now with the crowds we've seen, we know that's out the window here. All of them celebrating Biden's win or supposed win. So in Georgia, with the hot weather, we should all be able to vote in person. And the legislature, the legislature in Georgia and the governor should get on top of that right now. All right, hour two, we'll try to see what's going on. Try to fix the Facebook issues if we can. Glad you're in on Real America's Voice, social media that's there. Hour two coming up. Live from Studio 6B, Hour 2 on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati's going to have more sports. Gio Fran holding it down. Having some problems with Facebook tonight. They shut us down. I'm not sure why. Haven't received any notifications, but that's fine. We're on Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, and, of course, the Real America's Voice app, which, as I told you yesterday, is now number 22 in the um, iTunes store. For downloads in the news, there you see parlor number one. There we are, 22. And uh, the audience has just continued to grow bigger and bigger and bigger, and it will continue to grow. And um, speaking of that, our own Amanda Head, before we get to Rudy, Amanda Head was over uh, in New York City today, over by the old Fox News building. And she had some thoughts on what was going on over there, G31. Uh, roll that. We've seen a leftward shift for them. A lot of Fox News viewers started to see that happening when they hired Donna Brazil, who regularly appears on the network as a contributor and a correspondent. So it's going to be rough waters for Fox News until they can pull back those people. Um, you know, Murdoch, when he conceptualized Fox News, it's not because he was a conservative or a Republican. He just, as a businessman, recognized that there was a gap in mainstream media that needed to be filled. Unfortunately, Rupert's sons, James and Lachlan, do not uh, seem to really care about the business side of things. It's just the politics because both James and Lachlan are outspoken Democrats. People weren't really ready to leave Fox News. Fox News has been such a staple in a lot of Republican and conservative households across America for literally decades. And a lot of people, you know, they just leave it on Fox News because they don't want, you know, whatever the other networks are offering. And so it was more a matter of convenience. But now it's a matter of standing up for what you believe in for a lot of people who have supported Fox News over the years. They feel like Fox News no longer represents them, no longer gives them a voice. So, you know, it's an inconvenient thing to do, but a lot of them are going and finding other networks, networks like Real America's Voice. Yeah, absolutely true. And we talked about this on election night the day after. We said the big loser of this was going to be, we think, social media and um, probably them given how their election night process went and the that slimy just oh god guide to decision desk was just uh what's right we'll do rudy at the bottom of the hour right i'll do jenna ellis now so but, but, uh, but yeah but yeah it was something that you can see and you know what kind of tipped i really think really brought it to light for a lot of people was when uh newt gingrich when he mentioned george soros a couple weeks back 
and they all freaked out. It's like it, it made you cock your head, like, huh? What? What's going? On? I, I mean, Donna Brazil, I could deal with because you know you gotta have. They always have, you know, the Juan Williams or the Donna Brazil. Sometimes Geraldo will jump on the left of a particular subject, you know. So you gotta have that that kind of balance. Um, but phew, what happened election night, where you saw all the other networks waiting for Fox News to do it was like they were in collusion uh, collusion it, it, we're going to let you guys do it and we'll follow along and that'll give it legitimacy the interesting thing about the um Soros thing you brought up is if you remember the person in the background who said I don't think we need to bring that up was Melissa Francis yeah i think that was the last day when Melissa Francis was on have you noticed that now, I haven't, like, gone searching. I don't know if she got let go or her contract was up. I haven't heard or seen Melissa Francis. She used to be on that afternoon show that was uh, whatever it's called. Out with uh, I think it's called Outnumbered. Yeah. She used to be on there all the time. Yeah, she was Right the, after uh, that, she disappeared. She was the co-host with uh, Harris Faulkner. I haven't seen Melissa Francis in forever. Not that I, I don't watch it anymore, at least in the last week. But I don't even remember seeing her. So I don't know. We, I have no idea. It doesn't matter. They can all come over here. Um, and they are. And, we've, and, and, they've, and this has been a, something that's been happening. People, number one, are sick of paying big cable bills. Um, that's number one. And they're sick of mainstream media. The mainstream media is so corrupt in this country. And, and if anything that this president of many things will be remembered for, will be exposing them for what they are. And um, people are just sick of it. They just don't want to be lectured to. As I say in that commercial, they're sick of the freak parade. That you could rope them all off and charge admission. Like, a, like put them in a line, rope them off, and you could charge, sell tickets to walk by them. Like looking at the animals at the zoo. I mean, people are just sick of it. So, um, all right. So Jenna Ellis was on with David Brody. And a couple clips here, a couple good answers from her. Let's start with 33, just on the overall process of where we are and how this is going to go. Here she is. It's not over till it's over. And when it's over is when every legal vote is counted fairly and accurately and states certify their results. And then the Electoral College, uh, which the states, of course, select their delegates, then they vote. And then at that point is when we know who wins the presidential election. So for all of these projections from the mainstream media, uh, when you still have six states that are outstanding uh, and have allegations of either uh, massive and inappropriate uh, fraud and irregularities and all kinds of things that are going on, and also recounts that we know of at least two states, then it's really irresponsible of media to project Joe Biden as the president-elect and start calling him that as if this is already done. I mean, the mainstream media just wants to coronate Joe Biden and say, hey, just trust us, don't verify anything. Well, we're gonna verify because the American people deserve to have legitimacy in the outcome of the presidential election and also all the way down ticket, David. When you look at what's happening in Georgia with the, the Senate race, um, that absolutely has to be counted fairly and accurately and recounts and also legal challenges are not unprecedented. But of course, the media wants to treat President Trump and 2020 totally different than any other election before. Do you know the numbers out of Georgia? Speaking of Georgia, she brings up Georgia there. I saw this today in Georgia. There were 95,801 ballots 
that only voted for Joe Biden and none of the down race. <laughs> Do you know how many in Georgia only voted for President Trump in none of the down races? Take a guess. Um, Eight, 818. Wow. 818 votes for Trump and no down ballot. 95,801 voted for just Biden and no down ballot. Now, just, again... I'm not the smartest guy in any room. But that's just true. explain that, that, that to that's me. That's true. That's also. Yes. <laughs> just explain that to me. That the Democrats in Georgia just said, oh, we'll just vote for Biden. And we're not going to worry about all the down ticket races. While I spent all this time waiting online, I only had time to fill in one oval. I couldn't be bothered messing around with all these other ovals I have to fill in. You have any kind of idea what kind of labor that is? I mean, on the nah. most human basic level, that just makes no sense. 95,000 and then 800 did it for Trump. 800 makes sense. 800 jackasses who couldn't be bothered. 95,000? It's unbelievable. A um, couple other things. She talked about how widespread it was. 32, G. Uh, roll that. Well, you know, widespread is a subjective term, right? And that's what the mainstream media is doing, is that they're trying to minimize the impact of the fraud to say, well, it's not widespread enough. And so they can move the goalposts so that whenever we bring forward the evidence, they can say, oh, well, that's not enough. That's not enough. That's not enough. But the but the issue here is that it may not be outcome determinative. That's true. But we have to see first. And don't they want to know? Um, and when we're talking about six states and we're talking about these really narrow margins in some states and we're talking about, uh, you know, over 600,000 ballots in Pennsylvania that have not uh, been looked at by GOP uh, poll watchers and uh, and the election observers and the counters there. I mean, that's that is really significant. And so again, you know, they're just trying to minimize this. And this is coming from the same party that shouted Russia collusion for three and a half years without a shred of evidence, and then moved forward and dominated the airwaves with this impeachment hoax when we had. Donald Trump with uh, President Trump with the full transparency of the transcript of the Ukraine phone call. And we have the evidence that there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yet they pushed that narrative. So we're seeing that the mainstream media, yeah. the Democrat operatives, the Democrat liberal activists want to push their narrative regardless of what the facts and the truth show. We are now in a post-election world. So we are no longer uh, campaigning for either candidate. What the legal team wants to do is make sure that the law and the constitution is preserved and protected. Exactly right. Um, so yesterday I read to you so the filing in, in Pennsylvania. And I want to go back to that on page 23 of this filing. Uh, paragraph 54 says the following. According to the Carter Baker report, Mail-in voting is, quote, the largest source of potential voter fraud. Carter Baker Report, page 46. Many well-regarded commissions and groups of diverse political affiliation agree that, quote, when election fraud occurs, it usually arises from absentee ballots. That's absentee ballots, not mass mail out. Here's a ballot, fill it out and send it back. Just mail-in balloting. That's absentee ballots. They, they, they said that. And then they say this. 
Such fraud is easier to commit and harder to detect. As one federal court put it, absentee and mail-in voting is to voting in person as a take-home exam is to a proctored one. Now think about that. Absentee voting is to voting in person as a take-home exam is to a proctored one. So we've all taken proctored exams Mm -hmm. with somebody standing over our shoulder, watching everything we do. And obviously a (laughs) take-home. You just take it home and do whatever. Grab the calculator, grab the Google, grab the computer, call your friends, look on your phone. I got all the answers. What what do you mean? Oh, my sister took that test last year. Here are all the answers. I I encourage you all, if you you have the time and uh, you don't want to pull your hair out, to read this district court filing that they filed yesterday. I mean, just read it. I mean, if I can read it, anybody can read it. And there's a lot in here, a lot in here. So Jenna talked about this Pennsylvania lawsuit. Uh, Do I have time for 35G? All right, roll it. Roll 35. Yeah, well, you know, in Pennsylvania, uh, we have a couple of different legal challenges, and it's important from a broad perspective that the type of legal challenge is different in each of these states. So you can't really just say, oh, this is all the same, because when we're asking for a recount like in Georgia, that's not the same as Michigan, where we're saying, you know, we haven't gotten meaningful access to uh, to look and count the ballots uh, similarly to Pennsylvania. And all of these, you mentioned uh, the Dominion voting machines, uh, you know, in some of these uh, upwards of 57 or more counties across several states. And so in Pennsylvania, um, there is a multifold challenge uh, there where not only have we been denied meaningful access, but the state, even up through election day, was not acting according to its state law. The governor there and the election officials there cannot change state law. They cannot run their elections contrary to the legal process there by uh, not by counting late ballots. Uh, that's why the Supreme Court intervened and said, no, we have to segregate the ballots. Um, they, We also have allegations and sworn statements uh, where the, the Democrat-led counties were tr- trying to cure some of these mail-in ballots by going out and, uh, and doing this canvassing, this pre-canvassing before Election Day, to ask people to come in and vote provisionally so that they could, uh, before Election Day, so that All they right, could G, make hold sure it to get there. their vote. We'll pick, uh, we'll pick this up because she gives an important answer. Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. More to do. Rudy Giuliani coming up at the bottom of the hour. Studio 6B on a Wednesday night, 17 past the hour. Rudy Giuliani coming up at the bottom of the hour. His interview tonight with uh, Eric Greitens on the special that was on the hour before us. If you didn't see it, it was worth worth showing to you, and I'll show show you that coming up. Uh, I want to stay on this uh, leg- state legislatures. 
but let's finish the Jenna Ellis Pennsylvania lawsuit because that's a good clip. Gee, if you can pick that up where we uh, where we left off. Here's Jenna Ellis on the Pennsylvania lawsuit and the difference between Pennsylvania, Georgia, and what's going on. The Democrat-led counties were tr trying to cure some of these mail-in ballots by going out and uh, and doing this canvassing, this pre-canvassing before Election Day, to ask people to come in and vote provisionally so that they could, uh, before Election Day, so that they could make sure to get their vote counted. And so that becomes a two-tiered system, where people who exercise the mail-in uh, vote had an opportunity uh, to cure their, their ballot, or they may have voted twice. I mean, so there's so many issues that are going going on with these irregularities and outright fraud, mm -hmm. that this is why we all have to take a deep breath, step back and say, we have to get to the bottom of what actually happened. And we're still gathering that evidence. We have to pause on the certifications and then we have to make sure to go through and count these ballots according to the law. That's why every legal vote should count. And David, yeah. if Joe Biden and the Democrats were so confident that he won legally, genuinely, they would be willing to have full transparency and they would agree with us that every legal vote should be counted. But notice, no Democrat and nobody in the mainstream media is agreeing with President Trump and Team Trump. And all we're saying is that we understand we are a nation of rules of law, not just all of these Democrat operatives that want to coronate a candidate. Yeah. And of course, the legal votes, as we've discussed, should be the votes that fell under the state legislature's um, rules, whatever they, whatever was set for elections. And Daniel Horowitz has a piece in the blaze that says, yes, state legislatures do indeed have the final say over this election. The framers made it very clear where the power lies. He said, it's not like the framers of our constitution or the crafters of federal election law never envisioned the challenge of contested elections and prepared a method for resolution. In fact, they did prepare for this exact scenario, and they clearly intended for the state legislatures to have the most power to resolve any conflict over the validity of election results. Last week, I wrote an article reminding Republican-controlled legislative bodies in states with widespread concerns of voter fraud that the Constitution vests in them the ultimate authority to appoint presidential electors. I noted that because the Constitution allows them to completely bypass a popular vote when selecting those electors, they can certainly decide if the preponderance of evidence indicates the results are tainted, how they wish to choose those who ultimately cast the ballot for the president. Several state legislatures in key states have reached out to me expressing interest in reclaiming their authority rather than allowing the courts or worse, the media to have the final say. However, some have expressed concerns over limitations on their power, given delegated authority that has already passed out of their chambers years ago. In some states, the legislature cannot convene a special session outside the regular session, typically in January, without the consent of the governor. Lawmakers from these states are concerned that they might not be able to convene without the green light from a Democrat governor who clearly has no interest in further investigating election fraud. Other legislators um, have raised questions about whether they can reclaim their constitutional power to select the electors after they have already delegated the authority to the political parties based on the winner of the popular election. 
The answer to both of these concerns lies in federal law. 3 U.S.C. uh, Section 2 states clearly, quote, whenever any state has held an election for the purpose of choosing electors and has failed to make a choice on the day prescribed by law, the electors may be appointed on a subsequent day in such a manner as the legislature of such state may direct. Thus, even if we accept the argument that legislators cannot abolish the popular election and return the original practice without passing a new statute, which would require the signature of the governor, that is not what we would be doing here. There has already been a popular election, and assuming the results remain contested and unclear, federal law dictates they alone are responsible for resolving it. Given the existing plenary power, to, the, to select electors, plus the power of Congress to set the time for voting on them, and Congress gave the authority to legislators to control that process, it's hard to see how any other state law would supersede such power in this case, at least as it relates to the presidential election. The fact that any state statute would not supersede the legislature's plenary power of selection of the electors seems clear from the language in the landmark Supreme Court case McPherson v. Blacker, 1892. In the unanimous opinion, the court cited an 1874 Senate report which explained the power as follows. Quote, the appointment of these electors is thus placed absolutely and wholly with the legislatures of the several states. They may be chosen by the legislature or the legislature may provide that they shall be elected by the people of the state at large or in districts as are members of Congress, which was the case formerly in many states. And it is no doubt competent for the legislature to authorize the governor or the Supreme Court of the state or any other agent of its will to appoint these electors. The power is conferred upon the legislatures of the states by the Constitution of the United States and cannot be taken from them or modified by their state uh, constitutions any more than can their power to elect senators of the United States. Whatever provisions may be made by statute or by the state constitution to choose electors by the people, there is no doubt of the right of the legislature to resume the power at any time for it can neither be taken away or abdicated. Accordingly, Mr. Horowitz says, we see that even without the federal law, it's clear that such a degree of plenary power cannot be abdicated by state statutes. Therefore, there is never a scenario when they would need the consent of the governor either to convene or to pass a new statute. Uh, And this goes on. Um, for quite a while and he closes by saying it's the job of the legislatures to investigate all of this information if they determine that the fraud is sufficient to negate the unofficial results of the election then they should demand that the governor hold a new election without mail-in ballots if the governors in those states refuse then it would be time for the legislatures to exercise their constitutional power the only people who see no fraud are those who refuse to investigate Any Republican who was elected to state office in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Georgia who refuse to join such an investigation are clearly unworthy of their office. That is a powerful argument to be made that the power here that the state legislatures could wield if they so want to. 
and and let's hope they do because this is this is what it's coming down to and it's to save the nation from being taken over basically by fraud by fraud up is down black is white uh good is bad you know what i mean that that's what we're looking at it's this whole you know it's crazy town every single moment of every single day bingo all right rudy giuliani coming up just normal people talking about the issues the way the american people talk about them around their dinner table i think that's why people like the show we don't take ourselves too seriously we give them news opinion sports comedy entertainment music but most of all we try to give them love of country faith and family every night we think political news is a big tent come on in live from studio 6b 8 to 10 weeknights you might like it all right live from studio 6b so uh joe biden was doing one of his Office of the President-Elect deals the other day, and he actually took questions. So I went back and actually listened, because I didn't watch it. So I went back and listened to the the questions. Um, Here they are. Roll it. Thank you, Mr. President-Elect. During the campaign, you said you were not naive about how difficult it would be to unite the country. It's now three days after (laughs) you were projected as the President-Elect. The president himself says he has won this election. His own administration has not moved forward to give you access to what you need to do to begin the work of your transition. Just a few minutes ago, the secretary of state, when asked if he would cooperate with a smooth transition, he said there will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. About like, what's your policy on this? If you have a message for the president who may well be watching right now, and how do you expect to be able to work with Republicans when so many have thus far refused to even acknowledge your victory? Oh. <laughs> I also wonder, you warned during the campaign that as the walls closed in on the president, he would behave more erratically. Yesterday, he oh. fired his defense secretary on Twitter. Are you worried that he's disabling the government? And what are you saying oh. to the world leaders who are calling you at this point about the situation here? Mr. President-elect, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has suggested today that he may not recognize the outcome of this election until the Electoral College meets. Next month. Have you spoken to your longtime uh, friend in the Senate, Mr. McConnell? And what do you make of his specific comments Mm. over the last 24 hours? I can follow up. Without transition funding, will you be able to go through with a proper uh, transition that's needed? Mm. Would you like access to the PDB? And will you authorize legal action, or would that be too divisive, do you believe? Oh, yes, would it? Thank you, Mr. President-elect, and congratulations to you both. Of course. Have you tried to reach out at all to the president? And oh. if he is watching right now, what would you say to him? No policy. And you say that you are being able to, to move ahead without interruption. But to Jeff's point, presumably at some point, you will need access to more classified information, secure facilities, and the like. Yes. What options are you considering? How will you uh, move ahead if the president continues to refuse to concede? Oh, very tough. So 
Sir, what do you say to the Americans that are anxious over the fact that President Trump mm. has yet to concede and what that might mean for the country? Mm. And just to follow up on a previous question, how do you expect to work with Republicans if they won't even acknowledge you as president-elect? Yeah. Very tough question. So there you go. All right. Rudy Giuliani was on the hour before us with Eric Greitens. And um, uh, here it is. Rudy. So, Mr. Mayor, one of the things that a lot of our viewers have asked about is particularly this Dominion voting software. This was the software that was used in Michigan. And in Antrim County, they had Joe Biden up by thousands of votes. They claimed there was a software glitch. It was discovered. It was fixed. And then it turned out that President Trump was actually up by thousands of votes. We know that you and your team have been investigating this. At this, at the present time, do you have any whistleblowers inside Dominion who you're speaking with? Well, I wouldn't call them whistleblowers. We, we have... Um we have a person who's come forward with an affidavit inside of Dominion that has said that Dominion observed the 100,000 phony ballots that were brought in at 4 o'clock in the mm. morning on November 5th that were all Biden ballots that appeared by every measure to be phony ballots since they were brought in the back door. They were not in the proper containers. They were sticking out of the paper bags and cardboard boxes. And they were told that these were ballots that were needed to catch up to Trump because Trump was too far ahead. When they were counted, they were all counted in favor of Biden. The woman who has uh, given us an affidavit, who worked for Dominion, said that she saw not a single Trump vote. She was there for four or five hours. And it appeared to her to be horribly corrupt. And when she reported it, nothing was done about it. She was told it wasn't any of their business. So that's a that's that's not a whistleblower. That's sure. a witness on the record in our lawsuit in in uh, Michigan, which is why I feel pretty good about the lawsuit. There's a hundred thousand vote fraud. Do we have other witnesses for that that are somewhat reluctant to come forward right now? Yes, uh, we can probably corroborate that three or four times. So I think they're finished on that. I think that's something that actually happened. They brought 100,000 votes in. They were all Biden votes. There was not even a vote for another Democrat. And it was intended because they were panicked because Trump was ahead by much more than they anticipated. Same thing happened in Pennsylvania. They never anticipated Trump being ahead by 800,000 votes. It's inherently impossible to make up 800,000 votes or 64% of the vote. You have to cheat to do it. Now, we're talking about Philadelphia. Philadelphia has cheated in every election for the last 60 mm. years. Philadelphia has more people that have gone to prison for election fraud than any city probably in the country. And it's all Democratic election fraud because it's been controlled by a corrupt Democratic machine for 60 years. So when they fell behind by 800,000 votes, they went into a state of and then they had to shut out all the Republicans. They had to bring in all the phony ballots. And we never got to examine over 600,000 ballots, which makes them all unlawful. Illegal, unlawful, fraud, fraudulent. I doubt that the court will allow them to count those ballots. I'm sure the state legislature will not accept those ballots in order to certify mm. electoral votes. And really, uh, only, I think, Axios has been smart enough to take Pennsylvania down as a as a Biden state.
And Pennsylvania is not going to be a Biden state. And Mr. Mayor, if you would, could you give our viewers a sense? They've been following the updates, you know, day after day. Give us a sense, if you would, please, for the current state of play, the most important legal actions that are happening right now in these battleground states around the country, please. Well, you know, I, I really feel bad that I have to do that because this information is being denied them by the mm -hmm. mass media. I mean, it's being censored, not being given to them. And, and then we hear people say there's no evidence of fraud. <laughs> we have a thousand ballots demonstrating the worst kind of fraud you ever heard of. Yes. And uh, the media is just lying about it. And they are absolutely anti-American and pathetic effort to elect a criminal as president of the United States. Mm. I've never seen this before. But here, here's the reality. The most important two cases right now are Pennsylvania and Michigan, because if you read those cases and you read the affidavits in the cases, it's going to give you a picture that there really, really is powerful evidence that they stole the election in Pennsylvania and Michigan. Trump was ahead by 800,000 when we went to sleep. They counted votes all night. They were coming out of the woodwork. They were being made up. They were being written up. And they got them into a more competitive position. In Michigan, they actually brought in phony ballots, 100,000 of them. They thought all the Republicans were gone. The mistake they made is some of the independent contractors were there, and they hadn't bought the souls of the independent contractors, mm -hmm. who, who were so shocked by it that they reported it. Also in Michigan, a city Democratic worker was so shocked that she's come over to us and told us the whole story about how they were preparing to cheat going back to September, how they knew they'd have to make up a lot of numbers, the plans they had, the backup plans they had to get more phony ballots in. I mean, I, the, and the, because the general media doesn't report this, the American people are going to be exceedingly surprised when some of these states are taken down and end up being Trump states. Well, we, we've certainly seen the mainstream media almost just willfully ignoring and suppressing a lot of these stories. There is evidence. As you know, the team here at Just the News and Real America's Voice has assembled a team of 30 investigators who are out there every day uh, working to track down all of these uh, election irregularities. Uh, Mr. Mayor, another, another question for you. Have you had any contact with anyone in the U.S. intelligence community? about any of these election irregularities? I don't think I can comment on that. There is no question another aspect of this is, was the vote interfered with mm. from the point of view of the computers that we used? Mm -hmm. And does Dominion figure very big in that uh, situation, given the fact that it uses Chinese software and uh, has a rather checkered history? Roger. And Mr. Mayor, as we stand right now, you know, a lot of a lot of Americans, a lot of our viewers are kind of asking us what they think the most likely timeline is on this. Do you think, sir, that these courses that these cases end up in the Supreme Court? And if so, do you have any sense for when they might end up there? They may or may not end up in the Supreme Court. The actual place they belong are in the state legislatures. Mm. The state legislatures under the Constitution of the United States govern the election of senators, representatives, and the president. Yeah. It's called the Election Clause and the Electors Clause. So the real arbiter of this will be the state legislature that has to determine, are these unlawful votes going to be counted, which would be terrible, and mm -hmm. it would defy the law of their state, 
I guess if they did that, we would take it to the Supreme Court. But in the first instance, it would be the decision of the state legislature. Right. And I can't imagine they won't do the right thing because these votes are blatantly false, unlawful, manufactured. And when they say there's no evidence of fraud, I've never seen a election case with half this evidence of fraud. Well, we, we also have a number of witnesses uh, who've come forward. If you would, please give, give our viewers an update on where things stand with Richard Hopkins. This is the Pennsylvania postal worker who came out who said that he overheard a supervisor telling people to illegally backdate ballots. Then the mainstream media came out with a number of false stories saying that he had recanted his story. And he came out publicly and he said, no, I meant exactly uh, what I said. Where does, where does that stand today? Well, this is a media sideshow. His testimony gives flavor, but it isn't critical because the 683 ballots mm. that were unlawful are established in a totally different way in a completely uncontroversial way. But in any event, he, he, he kind of gave evidence of the kind of fraud that was going on all throughout Pennsylvania, which was a disaster. And his backdating of documents is corroborated by inside witnesses, about 10 of whom were told to do the same thing. So he's got a lot of colleagues who support what he was saying. What happened to him is intolerable. The Postal Service, playing Biden defender, sent some out-of-control postal agent named Schmedlap to see him. Mm. And Schmedlap actually is tape recorded because he doesn't know that uh, the gentleman was wearing a, a recording device. And you can listen to that tape recording if you want. And what you see is Schmedlap is trying very, very hard to frighten and threaten him. Yes. He tells them, I'm going to make you scared. Yeah. He says there are a lot of senators who are depending on you changing this. He tells him, he tells him, I'm going to be very unhappy if you don't. Virtually threatens him with his job. Now, what's this guy doing? Yes. Who's he doing it for? Well, Mr. What, Mr. What, what is his concern about what he said about, I mean, after all, what, what he said, the postal mm -hmm. worker said, I got Mr. Mayor, I know we're going to have to, we're going to have to take a, a break here, sir. But we will make sure that we continue to check in with you and the entire Thank Trump you, team on every one of these developments as we much. move forward. You bet. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. American people, when they turn on the news, they want just the news. Spare me the talking points. I think people are sick of the freak parade on cable TV, night in and night out. People are consuming news these days everywhere, on every device. And we're gonna be there. We're gonna be fair, we're gonna be fearless. We feel like we have a responsibility to you, the American people. News and opinions that are honest and real. Real America's Voice. Hi, live from Studio 6B. I want to remind you that we are on Parlor. For those of you asking, a lot of you have asked about us on Parlor. And Parlor's had about 5 million new people sign up in the last week to 10 days. So they've been a little overloaded. Uh, trying to post even videos is hard right now. But uh, they're, they're getting there.
and it's and it's good. It's good. It takes a little getting used to. It's a little different, but we are on Parler at LFS6B. So if you're um, if you're looking to get away from censorship, go over to Parler, because we may make the move to Parler and get off Twitter too. And uh, I don't. And we'll see what happens with all these. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put up with any nonsense. So if it conti- the nonsense continues, just get out of there. And um, of, sooner than later, the Studio 6B website's coming. And the show will be live there every night. And we're going to have hopefully have live chat there. And we do whatever the hell we damn want. No one's going to tell us what to do there. So um, we'll have options. So we'll figure it out. Uh, all right, 48 past the hour. Let's do some sports here with Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? Okay, D. D-, D- well, the state of Ohio has both <clears throat> Cy Young Award winners Do you want to try that one more time? <laughs> do you want to try that one more time? Okay, yeah. big D. All right. There, there we go. go. Um, the state of Ohio has both Cy Young Award winners. Um, American League Cy Young Award winner was from the Cleveland Indians, Shane Bieber. The 25-year-old Bieber was the unanimous choice to win his first Cy Young honor. Bieber's 41.1% strikeout rate was the highest ever by a qualified starting pitcher. I didn't and- even know Justin Bieber was a, was a pitcher. I thought he did music. <laughs> yeah. Who'd you say? Uh, did I say uh, Shane Bieber? Did I say Justin Bieber? Oh, Shane Bieber. No, you said Shane. Okay. Oh, okay. We Shane just Bieber. we just all heard Bieber, and that's all it took. Okay. Oh, maybe that's and, what it was. We, we and, weren't actually paying attention. And more importantly <laughs> to me is uh, National League uh, Cy Young Award winner was Trevor Bauer, uh, right-hand uh, pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. Trevor Bauer became the first Cincinnati Reds pitcher to win the National League Cy Young Award. And the Cincinnati Reds are the oldest baseball team, so that's quite an accomplishment for the 29-year-old. Um, unfortunately, the Reds will probably lose him this year because he goes to free agency. So That's much your too- team. What's that? My red- the Reds, sure. That's your team. Yep, my team. Yeah. You, the, you, you know exactly what, what era he was born in between the Reds, the Cowboys. <laughs> you know. I'm a child of the sixes. I'm a child of the seventies. Sixes. <laughs> you got it. And Big D Korean baseball playoffs update real quick. The Doosan Bears with a four to one win over the KT Wiz yesterday <laughs> now lead the series two to nothing. And the winner takes on the NC Dinos for the World Series. Um, game three is tomorrow morning at 4.30 a.m., so set your alarm for early, and uh, you'll catch the first pitch. Wait, who was, Bears, um, is, just remind me, who was Paul's team again? Who's some Bears, right? Paul's here. No, Paul's team was the Key Womb Heroes. They no, got he out. was the heroes. No, 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 he no. liked the meatball heroes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you just accused me of that. I like uh, David heroes. grabbed the Dinos. He grabbed them. Um, some quick college scores. Big D right now. Eastern Michigan is leading Ball State. I have the uh, Dinos. 24-21. sound the same. I have they, the dinos, right? You've had the dinos. Yes, the all. Wait, so who's and are in, they first? in it still? They are. They're, the, they're waiting. They're the yeah, number they're one waiting. seed. And who's the two teams battling? Because we it. have a new bet going here. All right, the Deucin Bears and the KT Wiz. Nobody so, beats the Wiz, Paul, but they're down. <laughs> <laughs> they're down two games to none. That may be a good one to pick, Paul, because you know nobody right, beats listen, the Wiz. All right, listen, we're going to wait, and I'm, we're going head-to-head, and then that's that, and that's that, and that's that. Okay. Um, oh, man. Reminds me of a story about Mike Tyson that I was going to run yesterday about him taking a drug test with a thing called a Wizinator, but that's a whole other story. Um, and uh, going back to the college scores, Toledo over Western Michigan, 24-14. That's late in the second. And Central Michigan, 9 nothing over Northern Illinois. And that's at halftime. One last one, Big D. Buffalo Bills' Josh Allen never wants to leave after fans honor his late grandmother. Um, the team, um, actually, uh, all the fans, well, most of the fans, took up a huge donation. A lot of them in the team uh, at the number of $17 uh, based on his jersey, number 17. They raised over $300,000. 
$100,000 for the Oishe Children's Hospital um, in honor of his late grandmother. He was touched so much that he said, my family is forever engraved here, myself included. I don't ever want to leave. I want to play for as long as I can and give back to this community and the Bills Mafia. So nice to hear that little refreshing story. So Great we'll see if he holds true when contract time rolls around. Yeah, that's Josh Allen. Yeah. That's we'll, good. We'll see if he takes less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never happens, right, Paul? That's business. And oh. Big D, that is a wrap in sports for this uh, this evening. And right, happy Veterans for- Day to all well, veterans. Brady, yes, Brady took less a bunch of times, right? Didn't he take three contracts at a way less than yeah, market value? He did. Yep. Way less. And then they jacked him as soon as they he took the money. They cut, right? Then they cut. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, Edelman or no? Who was God? Don no, the other one. You guys can get back together Wes after Welker. the show they and cut figure Wes it out. Yes, yes. Wes Welker. Uh, eight minutes till the hour. Any news, Paul? That we haven't done yet? No. Okay, so a couple <laughs> things that I haven't gotten to. Um, let's just talk about this since the Georgia thing is going to be so important in Breitbart today. Democrat Raphael Warnock, who is one of the Democrats running, I think he's running against Kelly Loeffler. Um, he was arrested in 2002 for obstructing child abuse investigations. So oh, nice guy. God. Oh. Um, <clears throat> so I just want to make you aware, all of us uh, who are listening in Georgia, Georgia Senate Democrat candidate uh, Raphael Warnock was arrested in 2002 for obstructing a police investigation into alleged child abuse at a church camp in Carroll County, Maryland. Uh, Warnock and uh, Andre Wainwright, who both worked at Douglas Memorial Community Church, were accused in court documents of attempting to prevent a state trooper from interviewing counselors at the church's camp farthest out in Edelsburg, Maryland, reaching alleged abuse at the church. Warnock hopes to oust Senate uh, Kelly Loeffler during the January Senate runoff. A state trooper said that neither Warnock or Wainwright were suspects in the child abuse investigation, although the trooper declined to describe the nature of the suspected abuse. Warnock, the senior pastor at the church, said that the alleged abuse was not sexual. Warnock and Wainwright interrupted a police interview of a camp counselor in 2002. After investigators moved the interview to a picnic area, the reverends interfered against and tried to prevent one camper from direct police um, from directing police to other potential witnesses. Maryland State Trooper Diane Barry of the State Police Child and Sexual Assault Unit said, I've never encountered resistance like this at all. Barry contended that the counselors consented to be interviewed and that they were told they would go free uh, at any time and were not obligated to answer Barry's questions. After being arrested and charged, Warnock and Wainwright were released. Warnock claimed that he merely wanted to ensure that lawyers were present during the counselors getting interviewed. Warnock came to work at Douglas Memorial Community Church after he worked at a Baptist church in New York. Senator Tom Cotton wondered whether the media would ask Warnock why he obstructed an investigation into alleged child abuse. In 2002, when the police investigated uh, suspected child abuse at Raphael Warnock's church, uh, Cotton said, Warnock was arrested for obstructing the investigation. Will the media ask him why he interfered with the police investigation? Um, and Tom Cotton's been on this, and he has a couple tweets about it that are out today. If a Republican helped run a camp for children that was investigated for child abuse and then arrested for trying to block the investigation, I bet the media would be asking a lot of questions. And I would think he's probably right about that. 
And uh, so, well, this is who's running against Kelly Loeffler. Wow. And not that we trust any polls, but the initial poll out of Georgia is what you could expect here. This race is close, they say. Now, the other race, the other race, let's remember, Purdue won the race against Ossoff, and he has to just win it again. This time, he doesn't have to get above 50%. He just has to win. Um, And I think she's, and he's, He's leading 50 to 46 in that race. So, again, we just have to split to have a majority. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, of course, all our veterans today on a very special Veterans Day. Thank you for everything you have done for this country. And uh, we will see you tomorrow. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thanks to you to live from Studio 6B audience. We're back with you 22. We'll see you tomorrow.